Are you ready to scale? Why not invest three minutes in our scalability index? It's quick, it's easy, and it's got specific guidance. Find it at evokinggenius.com slash scale. Hello and welcome to Genius at Scale. Today's guest is Joe Caruso. Joe's the CEO of Alliance Advisors in New Jersey. Joe, tell us about yourself. Sure. Um, I am the, I'm, I'm Joe. I'm the CEO of a corporate communications firm. Um, I don't know if you want to know about me or the company. Either one. I'm Either curious one. about I'll your talk, history a little. I, I think it's yeah. more interesting. It's more interesting about what we do. Um, and I'm lucky because it's occupied a good portion of my life, I think since 1995. So, so we work with we work with the C-suite and the board of directors of public companies, and we assist with them in communicating with their stockholders on okay. a variety of things. And as each each period of time changes, uh, whether it was the uh, the uh, the dot com era or the accounting scandals or the uh, now recently it's more the environmental social issues, but companies come to to myself and and our firm uh, to get advice on how you know, what best practices are, how they could, you know, uh, improve themselves and better communicate with their investors on, on the corporate initiatives, again, in bettering their company and, and in their position um, in the community. And, and it's, been, it's been fun for me. It's been rewarding for me because, you know, the first thing I noticed when I, when I got into this industry, I originally wanted to go to law school and I said, oh, let me take a break. And I ended up getting a job in a company in this in this space in 95. And it was kind of cool because you're like, hey, we're behind the scenes and all these cool things. And you see the headlines of the public companies, a merger, or a, uh, you know, issues or compensation related matters or environmental related matters. And you could say, hey, you know what? We've been working with them behind the scenes uh, to make that happen. So it's kind of it was kind of cool. And I was like, you know what? I think I like this. I said, I think this is an industry I want to stay in um, r rather than pursuing a law career. And it's not an industry you hear much about. No. It's kind of quiet. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it makes the headlines occasionally. Um, but, but you know, the funniest thing is you, you hear more about the, the proxy advisory type firms like ISS um, because they make the headlines because there's this, there's, right. there's this impression that they have such a stranglehold or a control over the voting apparatus of of professionally managed money like mutual funds and, and pension funds and um, but but they don't um, and and entities like ours on I think on, on planet Earth there's there's nine of us and there's really four of us that control probably about ninety percent of the market so it's but nobody really talks about us which is fine. It's, it's, it's so good. if there's nine of you, are you guys like a club of extraterrestrials and, and the rest of us haven't figured out really who you are? You're just infiltrated? Is that, is yeah. that what this is? Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it, it's weird. I mean, the, the industry has been around 100 years. Um, there's almost no, you know, continuous message or, or, or um, uh, notoriety of what we do, which is fine, you know, because we're more behind the scenes. You hear more about the corporate accountants and you hear more about the big law firms, but you never hear about the the, the right. proxy advisors. So right. Right. it is what it is. So it's an, it's a obviously a fairly um, specific industry and you've, you've done amazingly well at scaling it. I mean, you've, built, you've grown and grown and grown and grown. H how do you define scale? Do you define it with nine players 
Is it market share? Is it revenue? How, how do you define or measure scale for Alliance? So, so if you define, I mean, first of all, talk about scaling. I mean, we, we started this company on a, on a, on a yellow napkin in a bar in Switzerland. We're like, Hey, I think we could kind of build another company and, and do a pretty good job. Um, when, when we look at market share of our business, we have to look at the, the global corporate footprint. You know, how many companies are there on planet earth? And how many companies are in a position where they really need this type of service? Because you have companies that are out there that are still majority family owned. And believe it or not, some of them use our services because they want better governance and, and a better footprint, even though they're private, but they want to be better run. And, and they are pretty good right. companies. Uh, but we look at the public market, the public company market space um, and and companies that that trade on on major exchanges. So. You know, if you look in, if you look at that, you're probably talking about, you know, 12,000 companies globally in the United States. You're probably talking about really three to 4,000 companies um, that are in our market or our available market. Um, and, and when we look at what our, our you know, our, um, our footprint is, you, you look at it in the different verticals that we cover. So in the proxy solicitation and in the core of our business on communicating with stockholders out of about, you know, 4,000 U.S. companies, you know, we work with north of 800 of them. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's, I think that's pretty good in, in, a, in a market with, you know, with nine competitors of, of which most of them have been around for 50 plus 50, 60 years. Yeah. And our track really started about 12 years ago, but more so over the last five than anything else. Is this a market with essentially nine relevant players where it's the Hunger Games and it's whoever's the last person standing at the end wins? Is, is, no, there, no, there, 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 there are certain companies in our industry with, with, um, with very particular niches. Uh, okay. you know, some of which fo focus more on, uh, proxy fights where there's a, there's a contest for board control, um, between stockholders. Um, there are other companies that are just very, you know, very small, meaning, you know, 50, 60 clients are under, um, you know, more personal relationships with the person who owns the business. I think in, in our space, uh, currently there, there are, you know, six really main players, two of which focus on contests, four are the typical brick and mortar, uh, shareholder communications type firms, um, you know, and, but there's room. I mean, there's there's room for competition. I, I just think we're at a stage in, in our industry where I think you're going to see it go from nine to probably three or four over the next four or five years, um, whether it's, consolida it's consolidation or maybe some of the smaller ones just go out of business. So, mm, I mean, yeah, maybe a little quasi-hunger games, but. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's a fairly unique um, model because most scaling you have to it's a wide open market there's a lot of players and you got to find a small niche and exploit it and yours it sounds very different it's it's uh it almost has to be mergers or acquisitions or partnerships or alliances yeah i mean the industry when it started about 100 years ago there was well, there was two and then it took until from probably i don't know if it was the 1920s it took until the 1960s to split that into into three, and in the 1970s I think it was six or seven, 
that I might have ballooned to 11 or 12 and then shrunk back down again. So it's just where, right. you know, so I, I could see it going back to three or four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, a uh, it's fascinating. The, the, even just the market, because it's, like you said, it's, it's kind of under the radar. Um, in your, and you've built it, you were, you were the, you, you were the founder and you built it kind of from day one. Is it, was there, I'm curious, the, the most important mistake you made, like the most valuable mistake you made that helped you in the journey, like it was an unintended blessing? And what was the, the price you paid or the tuition you might have paid for making either mistake or mistakes along the way? You know, I, I, I think over time, and I don't know if they're, I, I, think, you're, I think all mistakes are an ability to learn and, and an ability to, to, to grow, whether it's personally or professionally. I think the mistakes that we've made along the way, and, I, and I've seen it in, in many other companies, it's just the question always goes whether you learn from them. It's, you know, you, you, tend, to, you tend to get overly excited about um, hiring certain professionals with the mindset that they have the same mentality on scaling and growing um, to grow and lead particular divisions. So you go out there in the market space, you say, hey, we're going to start a new product. And this person has the best credentials. They know the product. They know the industry. They're well wired in. Um, and and this has happened a few times with me. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the, per the person checks all the boxes. Like a godsend. Because we're, 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 yeah. we're a people business at the end of the day. So everything with us is, a, is people. People yeah. bring in business. People execute business. People manage business. So, so you find new people. They check all the boxes. They 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 speak well. They're well educated. They look well. They they sound well. They they know the business and they come in and they're not entrepreneurial. And 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 I've made that mistake a few times where where you and by the way those, those mistakes take time, money, resources. And I'll, I'll reemphasize the word time because time you can you can't make time back up. You can make money yeah. back up. Uh, you could rehire a person, but you can't get the time back. And when you expend that type of time into something, you know specifically a key hire or key individual, and you you miss the point of do they have the entrepreneurial spirit, which is which is hard to check the box, and they come in and they just can't grow or scale it. And 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 you spend so much time trying to you know re-engineer those people. I think those are the biggest mistakes, it, and it's hard it's hard to figure that out ahead of time, because it's because it, it's and and now I, I think I think twelve years in into this business, you know twenty twenty eight years into this industry, I'm finally starting to get that fingertip feel on on human capital. It took a while. And where you're able to talk to somebody in a, in a meeting. And by the way, you can't hire people. And one of my colleagues just hit it right on the head the other day. You can't hire people on Zoom. You, you got to meet yeah. them in person. You you can't you cannot gauge the type of people um, through a Zoom call. You could gauge it over a, a meal, over a conversation, and you can really figure out if the person fits into the organization culturally. And do they fit into that type of position you're looking for? Mistakes, hiring the wrong people uh, for particular roles based on a check-the-box mentality. Mm -hmm. And and I've done it a few times, and it's cost yeah. me a lot of time. Yeah. 
So do, when when you've done that in the past, how much um, you hear about technical debt? You know, software companies say we have technical debt in our software because we had to do short-term fixes to keep going, and eventually those short-term fixes don't they don't scale very well. Um, I work a lot with people around cultural debt. Does it leave scarring or cultural debt when you when you hire that person? Do you get rid of them, or do you have to uh, do you keep them? and then higher around or above or, um, or beyond them. But you, you, well, for, first you, you do, you, there's two parts to that. When you talk about the, the scarring or we'll call it the cultural debt, the biggest issue happens if you have the right enterprise with the right people, and then you make a few mistakes, your key drivers, your key people who are driving your business, they're the first people to be scarred by holding on to the wrong persons. Because it's demoralizing, so you have oh, it's a wet, so it's a wet have, blanket for them. Yeah, they, they they don't understand. You start getting into what was the idea of bringing that person on board? What's their purpose? We're all you know, we're all alphas. We're all killing it. You brought this person in, and they're 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 a wet blanket. The damage is in in your key driving people. Um, the damage is in your your key personnel. Um, and so I would say that's more of the, the, I'll call it the cultural scarring. And I think the cultural scarring gets worse uh, the longer you hold on to mistakes or the longer you keep the mistake in a position they're not suited for. Right. So I go back to time. You know, the longer it takes you to make a decision, the worse the, the, worse the scarring is going to be. You know, so so I think I think that, you know, when, when you when you when you figure when you when you the quicker you the quicker you could figure out the issue, you know, the less damage you're going to create. As far as what do you do with the problem, you have to make that decision pretty quick too. You know, there are situations I've had where great person, great credentials, culturally they fit in. They just can't cut the mustard when it comes to growing and scaling a business. And that happens more so sometimes when you have particular territories you're growing or a new product vertical. And, and some people work fantastic by putting the right people around them. And other people, you, you just gotta, you gotta cut the, you gotta cut the loss right away. Right. And it's not, it's not that it's just fair for the company. Um, it's also fair for the individual you're letting go. Yeah. Because the longer you hold on to them, the less, the more opportunities that are going to pass them on the open market. And you're just holding on to them for the inevitable. And I would and imagine the they mistake, know. Yeah, they, no, they, everybody knows it. And, and yeah. I think that the other huge mistake that I've seen in my industry and in every industry, no one wants to confront the issues and no one wants to, to, I think some people think by firing a hire that they've made is a bad mark on them and they almost don't want to do it. So everybody knee jerks and says, well, I'm going to pass the buck. You know, this person's really good, but they don't fit here. So could you take them? Or can I shift them into another division? Maybe they'll fit in here. And I, I didn't fire them. It didn't work out someplace else. That's a mistake. And, yeah. and that's, you know, that's a mistake for the overall enterprise. And, and, and at that point, and I see it all the time, they shuffle human capital around in the company until, you know, it's either a really bad financial situation for that company for whatever reason, and then they do a huge layoff. What about the yeah. damage you caused from point A to point B? How much capital went into something that wasn't going to go anywhere? And how much capital did you take away from the, your key performers to fuel a person that shouldn't have been there in the first place? It's just not fair. It's not fair for right. anybody.
no, and no one fun. wants to cut the no one wants to cut them. I don't I just I don't understand that. I see that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I get it. Um I'm curious, I'm gonna shift gears. Um we there's this there's this I think it's kind of a media driven image of CEOs that are scaling as gunslingers or swashbucklers, you know, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk and they're they're um taking gigantic risks and moving markets. Talk to me a little about your risk, your uh, your relationship with risk. I won't say risk tolerant or risk averse, but your relationship re with risk as it relates to your scaling plans, because you're scaling aggressively. Is that by swashbuckling and taking chances or is that by minimizing risk before you before you go all in? How do you how do you play with risk? Um. I, th I think I think any entrepreneur or anybody trying to scale a business, if you don't have an appetite for risk, it's time to check out um, mm -hmm. because it's 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 a hundred percent risk. Everything is, unless you want to be you know a line worker someplace and you don't want the risk, that's fine. Um, so that that to me is important. Uh, as far as the real risk, the real true risk that everyone overlooks is non-scaling and not growing. You know, it's oh, safe, right? Yeah, you, know, you get passed by, whether it's technologically, whether it's in sales, whether it's in your, your poor marketing, whether it's in whatever it is, you're going to get passed by. Somebody's going to want what you have, and they're going to be aggressive, and they're going to take risks. And the risks they take are to get your business. And, and the biggest massive risk that everybody faces is not growing your business. It's but no one wants to see it yeah. that way. Right, it's safe. I'm not going to spend any money. I'm not going to take any risks. I'm not going to grow because I could fail. I have a good thing going. I'm going to focus on that good thing. That's less risk. No, that's the biggest risk. That's okay? interesting. So, I, so, I would so imagine people, with a with a market with only nine players, it's more so. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And you know what? Somebody else. It's not even. It's not even that. Our our market's changing so fast too that although it might have been insular of about nine players give or take up and down over a hundred years, we're entering into a new, new era right now where there's a convergence of what we do as a business, the investor relations, public relations space, the giant multinational consultants, we're all starting to overlap on each other. And, and no longer are you in a, in a, in a, in a, in a silo of a number of, you know, static competitors that might up and down over time. You're in a giant world now, of potentially dozens and dozens of competitors that might not necessarily be in your core business, but they're in your periphery. And before you know it, you're fully overlapping. We're, we in, in, in our market, in, in my industry, we're in that stage right now. And if people don't, in our business, don't understand it, they're dead in five to 10 years, maybe sooner. Um, but back to the risk, the risk tolerance. You, you need you need a big risk appetite and I think the media if you look at the world with the big the big the big guys um, the the Jeff Bezos etc you know no one really everybody wants to focus on where they are now but nobody really wants to focus when they were trying to raise capital to sell to sell books and records online you know a friend of mine um, had uh, and I, I might, I'm probably gonna botch it up but she had one of his original business plans because he had pitched the firm that she was with to raise capital for the original Amazon. 
Think about the stress that they went through. Think about the 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 Elon Musk's. I don't know if you ever read his biography when when he wanted to move into his I think his wife's basement because they couldn't they didn't have any money um, because it was all in. But people kind of forget about that. You know the risk that that person took on their own personal livelihood, or or all the people that slept in their offices because they couldn't afford a place to live, um, or all the people that slept in their offices because you're pulling an all nighter. Everybody wants to forget about all that, and then they go, "Oh, look, you know, he or she is a billionaire, and he or she are doing." But, but you know what? The world's open. Anybody could have done the same thing, and anybody could have put to fruition the ideas and the and the and the concepts that they had, but they didn't. Whether they failed for their own personal uh, reasons or just the market conditions, that, that it is what it is. Um, so when people start saying, and I've seen it, you know, the swashbuckler type mentality, they're they're you know guns a blazing. Wrong. Uh, most people that I, I believe is my, my opinion. Most people that are successful, yes, they're taking risks. Yes, they're taking lar- making large gambles. But inside, there's a lot of thought. There's a lot of research. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of cultural planning, financial planning, modeling that's going into the things that they're doing. The rest of the world just says, "Oh, they made an eight billion dollar acquisition. Was that was crazy?" Yeah, you know, it's it's easy yeah. it's easy to comment from the outside, right? So, absolutely, because nobody really under you, with nine players in your market, I couldn't imagine that tons of people outside of your market understand what the inherent risks are, uh, which is probably good for for the nine because it's it makes it tricky to enter. Um, um, talk to me a little bit about the the idea that a company can only scale at or below the pace that the CEO scales their own, you could call it personal growth or own capability or own competence. Walk me through that for yourself. I mean, I, I know you're a, about learning and growth. You're, you step into it, you invite it, but talk to me about that because you, you must see companies that stagnate can can a company grow uh, with the CEO not quite out front because the company's passing them by? It's it's hard to do that because because the the stopgap, the 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 dam is at the CEO level, and when you start wanting to take those risks, whether it's the new markets, the new people, the new verticals, or changing the business structure, you kind of got to get approval unless you have an absentee CEO and there's somebody else running the business under them. Um. It starts, I think, from the top down, um, and and I think if you can't, um, I think I think if you have a CEO, this is my opinion. I think if you have a person at, in that position, um, and at the end of the day, you know that position, people go, "Oh, that's the 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 big guy. He doesn't have to answer. Or she doesn't have to answer to anybody. They have to answer to everybody: the employees, the clients, the vendors, and everything else." Because it all has to work. Yeah, everybody. You're, yeah. you're, you're accountable to everybody at that level, one. Two, if you really are accountable to everybody at that level and you stagnate, you're disservicing everybody, and people do that. And when the CEO – and end if the CEO or the people on top begin to stagnate, meaning let's just call returns, let's keep it safe, because maybe I'm retiring in four, four or five years. I really don't care. Um the key individuals that either a maintain the business or b grow the business 
either they're going to become disenfranchised and underproductive, and you're going to be paying for what you should have a very productive person, or they're going to leave, and yeah. they're going to find they're going to find opportunity elsewhere because you can't make um, the returns you're looking for as as a a really quality individual who has a high work ethic and a drive. You're not going to get what you want. You're going to leave. You're going to find the person that's willing to compensate you for that. And you can't compensate people um, for no performance when there's not enough, you know, funds coming in because you're not growing the business. You know, um, someone said, so, you know, one, or one, one guy said to me once, how are we going to make any sizable bonuses in this company if all you keep doing is spending all the money? I said, oh, that's interesting. I said, all you keep, this was in our earlier days. I said, all we keep doing is spending the money. I said, when you phrase stuff like I've heard it in other companies. When you phrase it like that, everybody in the room is going to go, oh, they're just spending money on, on new curtains, rugs, and furniture. And yeah, they're and not Lamborghini. putting money in front of yeah. <laughs> I, I, I phrased it. My answer to him was very simple. Do you want to make the same amount of money that you make now in 10 years? No, I want to make more money. I said, okay, fine. I said, every year. When you restart the year, every year, costs go up. Payroll, people want raises, it goes up. Healthcare goes up. Every time the, the rent is up, that goes up, right? So you're going to need more money every year just to make what you make now. How are you going to do that? Is 100% of your clients coming back every year? Well, no. Some of them merge out. Some of them, you know, go bankrupt. Some of them don't need the services. So your clients inherently shrink every year and your costs go up. Where are you going to get the new business from? And then what happens when you reach the height of the particular vertical that you're in? How are you going to continue to grow revenue in the company? Right. And you get that dumb look. I said, well, you got to spend money. And, and you have to keep reinvesting in the business to grow the business so you could have higher returns. And, yeah, you can make bigger bonuses and bigger salary. I said, so we could just stop spending money and your income could start going down year over year. And I didn't get a response. But I've heard it so many times. I've heard that before. There's a spending, the, the, the swashbuckler, the, 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 the um, you know, cowboy. They're going out there and just spending money everywhere. I mean, and if you think about the risk tolerance, the stress, and the anxiety that goes along with it, what person wants to go spend a fortune inside an enterprise? I don't care if it's a CEO or whoever, whatever division head that is. And then they're going to go party and go to bed at night with a clear head, not really giving a crap if it worked or not. Okay. There's a ton of stress and anxiety in spending money and hoping that that works and that you get a return. You know, and, and 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 so when you hear stuff like that, it just it drives me up a wall. And you hear it a lot. Like you, you hear that a lot. We should be making more bonuses and, and not not taking these risks. Yeah, you know, it's so. I've never met a group of stakeholders because you're right. A CEO answers to a bunch of different stakeholders with different agendas, who are placated by the idea of playing it safe and sitting on and, and just resting on our laurels. I've never met a board that wants that. I've never met a spouse that wants that. I've never met a, a team that wants that. I never met customers that want that. Never. Not because uh, they say, well, could you guys do another product? Well, yeah, we could, but we're resting and we're, we're, we're playing it safe. Oh, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, uh, just point of view from different people. So, yeah, and um, you, that's, that's how you start losing customers. That's also how you start losing talent. Yeah, your talent walks out the door. They just go, yeah, there's nothing here. Yeah, there's no there's yeah. no place for me to grow. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, there's an old saying that says uh, you can. Uh, the two I use it with is money and talent. But money goes where it's needed most, and it stays where it's treated best. And talent works the same way. Talent same goes way. where it's needed most, and it stays where it's treated best. So you don't treat your talent well, they'll find they'll find ample opportunity to go someplace else. Yeah, so. <laughs> especially in this market. Right, especially in this yeah. market. Yep. Especially yep. in this market. You, you have a market right now where, A, it's highly competitive domestically, but it's highly competitive globally. And with, right. with, with telecommuting, I, I could live in Alaska and, and work for, a, you know, an Egyptian company. Right. It doesn't matter. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's our favorite question we ask all guests at the end. Um, the theory we have is that in junior, I'll call it junior high, seventh and eighth grade. There was a version of Joe that we should have recognized and gone to Vegas and bet on and said, you know what? He's super likely to end up where he is now. Tell us about the junior high version where, that we should have noticed and said, yeah, this is a, this is a future scaling CEO. This is a, this is a, uh, the, the signs were there. Who are you in junior high that would have told us that? Uh, I don't know. I think I was a little bit of a lunatic in junior high. Um, I don't know if I everyone's a lunatic in junior high. You got braces and pimples. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was a little bit of a lunatic. I, you know what? You know what? But in a very similar vein to that question, you know, I remember being at my first company, and and it was so maybe after college, so four, eight, you know, nine years later. But I remember in situations go, we could do this and we could do that and we could automate this and we could come up with these new products. And, and my management, the, the owners of that company, which later in life became my partners, you know, 20 years later, were like, no, we can't do that. No, we can't do that. And I was like, well, maybe I could buy this company and, and run it. I remember I was like 23 or 24. And unfortunately, I was late to the game and, and they were already sold. And I, I think... I would like to hope that, and this is a lesson for myself, that they they should have seen the talent that I had at that point in time and said, "Shit, let's let this guy you know help help build this place, and we'll we'll, we'll make it fifty times bigger than what it is." And then the company that bought them, uh, I had the pleasure of working with for a few years, and I learned a bunch of stuff from them. Uh, there, you know, the guy who headed up that company was now a consultant of mine. I, I wish at those periods of time, he said, this guy's pretty good. Like, maybe we should work with him and have him, you know, build this business up. And then later on, they had to sell it. Um, I think that sometimes you have to look at your your greener staff, your newer staff, your, your I, I, I'm not going to be politically incorrect to say younger talent, because you could have, a, a you know, an older person join with a bunch of ideas and stuff and pay attention to them. Because mm. if you don't, they're going to leave. Meaning, if yeah. they pay attention to them, if they have if they have valid ideas and valid concepts, and they they're they're a, a proven you know force, you might want to pay attention to some of them. Saying, you know what, maybe they're not in the positions they should be. Maybe they should be in my leadership team. I read I had an article uh, when I first graduated university, and it was Chrysler. I think it was it was uh, it was Chrysler at the time and and someone made a comment of maybe it was Chrysler or somebody and they made a comment every board of directors every in every company should have one person you know as part of their circle under the age of 25 i was excited because i was like 21 i'm like yeah they should always have somebody our age and of course it should be me 
Yeah, of course it should be me. But pay attention to those people. I think me, me in junior high. I I don't know. I I I don't know. I I don't I don't know if I would have bet on myself at that point point in time. Um, but but I think it's a valid point to 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 always pay attention to that the new the new bodies in in the organization. Yeah, and and see what kind of talent might be hiding. Managers also sometimes selfishly have a way of hiding that talent because that talent might overshadow them. And I see that now. Even today I had a discussion about that where where that might go on. And it's like you, you should be keen. And as the company gets bigger, your management team who's more in the in the trenches should be keen to that to constantly look under the rocks and see, are there, are there talent at the first lines of the lower lines of the business that we really could harness? Um, because that'll leave. And, yeah. and that might, end, you know, that might, that might end up proving valuable for, for another enterprise that'll end up competing with us at one point or another. Right. So, right. To let a talented, yeah. ambitious young person go is probably going to hurt you five years later. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 so now that I have the benefit of working, with the the CEOs of the first two companies I end I ended up with a, outside of college, um, you know it's rewarding for me because, you know, in the reverse, in the reverse, I'm going back to people I worked with years ago, looking up to, going these guys don't see the talent in me, and and they're not they're they're not taking me seriously. I have the benefit today to ask them, what did you do wrong? You know, when when you ran your own show and, and what am I doing right now that you would look at me going, oh, you're, you're running down the wrong road. So sometimes right. it's also good to, to poach, you know, I would call it seasoned talent that's been there and done it before. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you need to go to career day at some junior highs and start recruiting talent early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> try to find, I'll go to high school. Try to identify the, the latent talent in, in an eighth grade class somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Joe, Joe, we can't run a podcast about scaling without talking to people who are actually doing it. So I, I appreciate you being here today, sharing your wisdom, your insights, your battle scars, your your uh, your theories, your thoughts. Um, really appreciate you being here today on sure. Genius at Scale. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Are you ready to scale? If so, invest three minutes in our scalability index. It's simple easy and give specific guidance. Find it at evokinggenius.com slash scale. All the best.